Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace show, where we're creating a conversation for what God's doing through Christians in the marketplace. I'm Sean Bowles, and my co-host is Bob Hassan. We interview everyday influencers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs from all areas of industry, exposing you to powerful stories of what God's doing through people just like you. We're also sharing our thoughts about what God's doing in finance, business, entertainment, and politics. Come join the conversation now. We have a great show today on Exploring the Marketplace. I'm here with my co-host, Bob Hassan. And Bob, who do we have on the show? Well, Sean, we have Dennis Allen. He's a turnaround CEO. But before that, he was a fighter pilot. So he, he's a top gun guy. He's a C-suite coach, a global speaker and keynote speaker. He has intriguing leadership conversations. And he wrote a book and has a podcast called The Discipleship Dilemma. Wow, this is going to be good. It's going to be awesome. I think he's looking at, you know, how how do we keep Christians Christians? And and I I believe as a as a turnaround CEO, someone who's who's been a CEO for over six companies and and been in the military at the highest level, he's going to have a great message for us. Well, he's up next on Exploring the Marketplace. Bob, you and I are passionate about people in the marketplace being equipped to hear God's voice. And so we put together a book. Tell us about it. It's called Wired to Hear. And 99% of us are out in the marketplace. We're not in the professional vocational ministry. And this book is for you if you want to learn how to hear God in the marketplace. And it's very practical, but it's also very in-depth and spiritual with actionable steps. Great chapters about defining your process when you're trying to hear God's voice. And I just think with the expertise of my coaching and Bob's long-term career and advice giving, you're going to feel the both of us together, something synergized that's really beautiful. And it's just for you. Get Wired to Hear at BullsMinistries.com. And you're also going to get a free teaching series only available if you buy it from us at BullsMinistries.com with business leaders just like you who are sharing their process of hearing God's voice, how they are wired to hear. And it's going to so help you as Bob and I navigate these conversations. They're going to bring the book home into your everyday practice. Get your book today. Well, welcome back. We're here with Dennis Allen. Dennis, we're so happy to have you. And to be with you guys. Thanks for having me, Bob and John. I'm so excited you're here too, because you have such a diverse background of, of course, business, being a, a fighter pilot, being somebody who has a ministry background, a theological background. I mean, you are like a jack of all trades here, which is awesome because you've written a book on discipleship that I know from your life experience is probably very profound. I haven't got to read it yet, but I just... I've got the copy today off of a Kindle, so I can't wait. But kind of take us into your story. How did you get into this journey, especially in the marketplace side of helping people on their journey? This is pretty incredible. You've been a CEO over and over and helped companies turn around. Give us this. Give us the dirt. <laughs> I'm going to hear. Okay. Well, you know, the, the dirt really is if you've got attention deficit disorder, this is a great career track to be on, right? Because uh, you're just constantly entertained by flicking your head around and going in different directions. Uh, and my wife will verify all that. The um, the universe that, that I'm in spiritually goes like this. I've been a believer since I was eight, but I was inert until I was about... 17 years old when a discipler grabbed me by the lapels and said, you got to choose park it or drive it for Christ. Which way are you going? That began the journey. Right. And mentors in my life, both on the business side and the side of Christianity forged me into becoming a follower of Christ. And what that means is something we can explore later. 
But the fun part about that was God just put me in all these adventures, like getting a chance to fly with some of the greatest, coolest believers in Christ who were really Jedi Knights in the jet that I flew in. And also in the business world, I had people who were just, they were reforming me in Christ to serve Christ in the business world, which is my wow. calling. My calling is that wow. in that universe. And then, and then of course, being in the church, getting a chance to sit in the chairs and help people in leadership and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of my, my rap sheet. That's you incredible know, rap sheet. It is, Dennis. I, I've been lucky also. I've been in business 45 years, but I've had these three men in my life. Two of them have passed now, but one was my pastor, one was my father-in-law and my uncle. And, and these men poured into me. I, as a young man, I just kept knocking their door down because I knew, you know, that I didn't know a lot of stuff and I still don't know a lot of stuff, but the, the ability to have uh, mentors or people who believe in you in your life is the crux of discipleship, isn't it? One of the most rare experiences in Christianity today, statistically, is what you just described, Bob, which yeah. is somebody walking alongside me who knows me, my wingman. He knows what I'm thinking before I even say it. He knows what my moves, my looks, my style, my walk is telling him about my life. That's a really incredibly rare universe, and it is biblical discipleship. It is Someone alongside me, not just a crowd, someone or two who really get me. What a great story you got. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because I, I think a lot of people in our generation, it goes back into fatherless or motherless or just identity issues. Because like for me, people ask, you know, the church commonly, they'll say, who's your spiritual parent or who mentored you? And I'll say my parents, like my parents are actually really good believers and they discipled me from the time I was little. My dad is a man of the word. He would teach us the Bible and it was fun. It was like, I wanted to learn the Bible because of my dad, my mom was very emotionally intelligent and she walked alongside of us in relationship and helped us to navigate in our faith and relationships. And we were in public schools. We were in, you know, we, we didn't, we weren't church centric, you know, in that sense. And so for me, like having that, it actually helped me or equipped me to be able to look for discipleship or mentoring and other kinds of fields or relationships, or even just for life. But I feel like a lot of our generation, because it, it doesn't start in the home, there's so many homes that are so broken that people don't even know what a parent advocate is when it's a spiritual parent that's a natural parent. And so then to take it one step further to get into like discipleship, like, did you have that in your home? Did you, or did you, like, how did God bring you into a discipleship journey? Or how did he bring you into this journey that we're talking about? I've got a 94-year-old dad and a 91-year-old mom who, by the mm. way, you can't find them at home on Friday nights. They're out partying and doing stuff, <laughs> who dragged me into the faith and made sure I was there and made sure I understand who Christ was. So, look, I've, I've got the greatest inheritance in the universe, which maybe a lot of people listening to this podcast don't have. And that's okay. That's completely okay. But I would beg that we haunt you if you're listening to this and you don't have what you've heard Sean and Bob describe in your lives. You need to go, something's busted. I got to change this dynamic because discipleship, yeah. being a follower of Christ, is not just about going to church. It's about that wingman who's with you going into life, whether it's vocationally or recreationally or age stage with families. You got to have a wingman. If you don't have a wingman, you're flying in enemy territory all by yourself, and that's a bad place to be alone. Wow. No yeah, I, I I remember just knocking these men's door down, like you know, can can you have breakfast or coffee? Because at that point in my life, that's the only thing I could afford. 
breakfast or coffee. I wasn't going to invite him to dinner. <laughs> yeah, but I, one thing that I, I like to talk about with people, and, and Dennis, you're the perfect guy to talk about this, is we have to learn how to be sons first before we can be fathers. And the way we learn how to be sons is from these people on earth that pour into us. And could you talk a little bit about that You know, from, from your book? Yeah, we, we talk a lot about the culture, but I think the stories that, that resonate the most are the ones that begin to tell us that we've been deceived by a centuries-old virus. I'm hoping everybody's just kind of leaning in right now and listening to this for just a minute. If you go back to the third century and come forward, there's a virus, kind of like COVID takes away your taste and your smell. This mm-hmm. virus has taken away our capacity to understand what some of the true biblical aspects are of the discipling model Christ gave us. Just like the story you told us, Bob, a minute ago about the mentors in your life, not the tour mentors, but the mentors <laughs> in your life who yeah, are no. building you and making you better, even though sometimes it may feel like you're in a tour mentor right, role. Exactly. We've got to think as the Western church differently, biblically, about what does it mean to be a disciple? And so the scrimmage that we have today, I just want to say, look, it's important that we say to all the pastors and all the church leaders listening to this conversation and all the entrepreneurs listening to this, we're not attacking you. We're not coming after you and trying to condemn you or make you feel really bad. We're trying to have a scrimmage to say provocative questions. That's what business leaders and board people do. We ask provocative questions to really zero in and see how the business model is running. If you get upset or offended by anything that we're saying today, well, it's totally Bob and Sean's fault, not mine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, take us through kind of a story just in your life of where maybe um, where discipleship, the rubber hit the road, like where all of a sudden somebody in your life who's poured into you, it was a make it or break it moment. Like take us through some of these like these essential times. Because I feel like a lot of people, when they think of, you know, some of the subject you're talking about, they think of somebody who just meets with them for coffee, like Bob saying, which is not what the guys did for him. They were there in every good and hard time in his life. And now they've left me to disciple him alone because two of them passed away. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But, uh, we'll pray but, for you. you know, but yeah, exactly. But but take us through like a real a real story with your family or with your business, your career, your ministry, whatever it is. Recent story we put out is uh, Top Guns Who Discipled Me. And the first one that I let off with is a guy named Ken, his call sign Sly Fox, one of the real no kidding Jedi Knights in the F-15. And I get to my operational squadron. I'm kind of a brand new-ish lieutenant, first lieutenant, just, you know, my, my hair's still wet and I don't exactly know what I'm doing. And Ken Fox walks up to me and he said, you you're with me. You're coming with me. You as a believer in Christ, you are coming with me. Now, that's scary because Ken Fox is one cool fighter pilot. He's also (laughs) revered around the base as a manager, as a leader of people. He's an organizational genius. He's a strategy genius. What do you want with me? And he dragged me into his life. He let me see life at home with the family, life with teenagers, heaven help us all, right? He Mm -hmm. let me see what it's like to fly. He beat the snot out of me in the air a lot of times, but he taught me how to be a follower of Christ, to be better in what I do. Sly Fox, that was one of three that we talked about as Top Gun Disciplers. And, And that goes back to this point. Folks, if you're listening to this, you need to talk to Bob and Sean about, do I have a wingman? Do I need a wingman? Because if you ain't got one, you're not going to make it in the business world, and you definitely ain't going to make it as a follower of Christ. 
We, yeah, you know, I, I need to tell, I need to tell a story. I was a young man in business. I was applying for my first credit line. My uncle Lou is a corporate attorney. And I said to him, Lou, could you come, the bank's coming to the office to meet with me. I'm really nervous. I don't know what to say. And he said, of course. So he came and he was dressed, you know, as a corporate attorney's dressed and we're in my office and these, these two bankers come who are younger than him, older than me. And he's making small talk. And he, and he says to these bankers, he goes, you know, you guys really look like smart guys. And they, they were said, well, thank you. And he said, I, what I can't understand is why you would even consider giving a loan to Bob. And <laughs> I, we all laughed and, and we sat down at the table and you know what happened? They gave me a loan. Wow. And I, I don't know how he did it, but he always used humor to, you know, to, to set the table and, you know, the whole rest of my business career, I've been like him. I, I, I use humor. So true. I, I'm able to set the table for people. And this is something that it left an indelible mark on me about how I was to conduct my whole rest of my life. And the thing that you're talking about, I'm sure you did what Ken Sly Fox did for you for others down the line relationship building, you know, and that's what I sense with both of you. You guys are not simply acquaintances with the people you're with. You're relating to them. And that's Christ's model. Christ came alongside people. He asked questions. He actually could see the human beings that he was with. And that's something that's really a temptation to veer from when you're an executive, when you're a leader, when you're a startup entrepreneur, you don't want to see people. You want to get the tasks done, get the credit line fixed, get the cash flow going, get the income statement, get the market share. All this stuff is certainly helpful and important. But the most important thing, this is my my kind of spin point on this. People are the core of all the turnarounds I've done and all the successes that I've had in business. And by the way, they happen to be made in the image, the Imago Day of God. And if we get that as disciples of Christ, You've got a destiny. You've got a rocket right ahead of you in Christ. We'll talk about that too, because obviously you've, you've talked about the being discipled and how these these guys apprehended you. How has that played out now in your in your career? Because you've been the CEO multiple times, how and you've turned around companies. So how has it played out in your career, especially in the mainstream world when it comes to probably a lot of the people you're working with aren't believers? So t- take us on that journey a little bit. You know, I think the most important thing for us as believers in Christ is to be weird. Now, <laughs> I'm not talking about, you know, the tats or the spikes that you put on, on you know, the jewelry and the all that sort of thing. I'm talking about weird in the sense that you aren't like the rest of society. The most compelling things that I have seen in following Christ's model by being mentored by leaders who taught me what it means to follow Christ have been in this idea of, you getting away from the fear of man, you getting away from the fear of circumstances and getting into the fear of the most high God. And the more you practice that, the more your muscle memory begins to conform. That's discipleship. That's sanctification. That's the development of the believer in Christ. That muscle memory begins to veer away from this idea that, oh my gosh, I've got to be really upset because I'm about to tap out my credit limit or my cash flow is drying up or I've got the key person in the organization trying to walk off on me. Those are the circumstances Christ has put us into. So to go back, Sean, to your point, I've had some of the most stunning failures in my life as a CEO, going through deals where I said, 
hey, I'm the uber goober smart guy. I got this all figured out. God, you can just sit down for a minute. I got this. Mm. Crash, burn. Mm. I've also had moments where I was really prayed up into this thing. I really felt like I was following the Lord. Crash, burn. Mm. But in both those, the ones where I was stupid and tried to do it on my own, the ones where I was really trying to follow Christ, not looking to the left or right, but follow him, I have found that as I repent and I walk back in line with following Christ and the calling that I'm called to be, whether it's a proctologist or a plumber or a politician or a preacher or whatever you are, when you get back into that follow, what I've noticed is the circumstances begin to reconform to the sovereignty of a providential Mm -hmm. God who's saying, I'm going to make this for my glory and for your good. Now, I've had some great experiences where things work really well, but the worst of times have been conformed to God's glory. And I have seen so much miraculous good come out of it with people and circumstances because I got back into the follow. You know, what What I love about what you said, you used the R word, you, you said repentance, you repent. And here we are at this age in the Western church and the Western church is trying to find its way. And one of the things that I think we have to come back to is the cross And of of course, when we're focused on the cross, we're going to be focused on repentance. And can you talk about the role of the Western church and discipleship and how that relates to the things that you've written? There is an iceberg floating out in the water. I want you just to think about that image for a second. And as you pull up in your boat to look at the iceberg, you see this massive thing up out of the water. But I think as everyone on the podcast listening would know, the bigger mass is below the surface. The stuff on the top are the symptoms. That's what we're seeing going on in the Western church today. That's people leaving the church. That's nine out of 10 people who remain in the pew saying, not my job to talk about who is Christ. That's Sean's job from the pulpit. Not my job, and I'm not equipped, and I'm not comfortable, I'm not going to do that. Eight out of 10 people in the, in the pews, these are again symptoms, eight out of 10 people in those pews They have no spiritual life. They have no prayer life. They have no fellowship. They have nothing other than 1.7 times a month coming to hear Sean preach. Now, those are the symptoms. What's under the water? We list six in the disciple dilemma, where we talk about six things that are in such plain sight, we don't even notice that they're there. Example one, optional lordship. I really like being saved by Jesus. I'm good. I don't need to go to the lordship part. This goes all the Mm. way back to the time of Eusebius in the fourth century, when we learned that it was really popular to get saved and we didn't have any other obligations because nobody had time to spend time with anybody. There was no relationships. That's one example. Let me give you one other one, and then we can chew on all the ones you want. We've got another example in the book that we call Catch and Release Christianity. And we talked about a guy named Simeon, the Stylite Elder, This is in the fourth century, a guy who is a really terrific Billy Graham of his time, perches on top of a column, and all these people come to him, and they hear the gospel preached. They become believers. This was Theodoret, a bishop who documented all this stuff. And then he said, you know, the funny thing was, nobody came alongside those people, and two or three weeks later, they're back doing the same old stuff they were doing before, and we never saw them again. This is the kind of stuff going on around us today. Get to a church, get a Bible, be a member. You're good. You move on. Next person in the pew. Who am I talking to? We have deeply diluted discipleship going all the way back to the third century. It's not our fault that those things from the past are here. 
But it is our job as leaders, all of you listening to this podcast, it's our responsibility as leaders to change the game to the mission Christ gave all of us. Yeah, that is so interesting when you think of like a lot of the people who listen to our podcast here and watch this on podcast on CBN News. They We've had a lot of response, a lot of comment section, and people want this God results in their life that we talk about, like me plus Jesus equals something. But there's a lifestyle, there's a discipleship, and there's a lordship. I love that word lordship that I've, you know, been very familiar with, mm-hmm. where you surrender your life for his result, and you let him lead you in a way you wouldn't lead yourself, especially when it comes to moral principles, when it comes to career decisions. And it, what's beautiful is that when we hear these stories like your story, it helps people to have like a visual image of what it could look like, and that it's worth it, because there's so many choices we make every day for in our faith and in our integrity and or the lack thereof that actually point us towards having that that Jesus result in our life or not having a Jesus result in our life. And I've seen so many people who are successful as Christians and believers who are still, so, I mean, Bob and I have worked with them who still have terrible marriages, hard families, you know, like all the dynamics that we have, no friendships. I was just talking to Ken Harrison from Promise Keepers. He's the CEO from just last week. And he was saying, the loneliest people on the earth are empowered men in leadership yeah. who have no friends. You know, like they they have leadership, but they don't have friendship. And so we, we're dealing with that. And I, I know women would be the same if they're in, you know, in a place, a role of function without that connection, that relational connection, that discipleship you're talking about. So it's really profound to me what you're saying. I want to ask you one more question. I, Bob may have time for one more after me, but one more question that I have for you is just tell us a, a moment in life. Like tell us a moment in life where, you um, saw somebody come out of this undiscipled kind of life into a discipled life. Like, where you? What's the the contrast, the before and after for you, for maybe somebody you were working with or somebody that you you had a, a role with? Well, let me just tell you about my sins, since I seem to have a large array of examples to call from on that yeah. one. When you look at my life as an eight-year-old until my life as a seventeen-year-old, what you see is a largely inert human being, meaning inert in the sense that I have no spiritual life. And what you see in my life is with the equipping that God has given me, the stuff that he gave me, we all have stuff God has given us in our calling, right? I'm a completely professional, mediocre human being. I am specializing (laughs) in being absolutely mediocre in everything, academics, honesty, integrity. And as these mentors came alongside me and grabbed me by the lapels and said, you're coming with me, they changed a human being. They got me on mission. As an entrepreneur, the only hope you have, as a business leader, the only hope you have of success, listen to this. This is an old man talking who's done a lot of turnarounds. You've got to get you and your people focused on what is the mission. And that's every day rehearsing that and pursuing that so that a culture, the DNA, the cement of the organization comes around that mission to protect and guard it and make sure that that's what you pursue. If you are not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're just a member of a Christian gang, if you're just hanging out in church, you are missing your destiny, your purpose, your calling Mm -hmm. is being lost in the mediocrity of a life that is not fully surrendered death to yourself, dying, taking up your cross to Christ. That's the calling. That's the destiny. And in that is great success and reward for all of us. That's beautiful. Dennis, speak to us about discipleship in the workplace, discipleship in the workplace, when we're working with non-believers, 
mostly and how we help people to stay on mission. But talk to the entrepreneurs and the business owners that are listening to you right now, wondering like, how can I, how can I connect with the way that I believe without evangelizing, but continue to keep my company on mission? I'm glad you said it that way, Bob. Most of us fear being labeled what Sean does for a professional living, being an evangelist. And it doesn't say that we're all supposed to be evangelists in Ephesians 4. We're not. Here's the workplace story that I would give you. You need to spend all your time not worrying about whether you've memorized the apologetics encyclopedia and have 43,000 answers to every trivia contest question people could raise. That's Sean's job. Let him answer those questions. However, <laughs> in the workplace, in the workplace, lean in and learn people's stories. Yeah. Make those relationships count because the more you ask them, if we go back to 1 Peter 3.15 and watch the premise flow out, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have. When you lean into people and ask them questions, I have never not had those people, as those relationships develop, turn and say, why are you so weird? What do you, what, what's going on in your head? Why are you the way you are? Well, there's a layup question. That's yeah. life as a disciple in the workplace. Yeah, that's so good. Wow. Thank you. Well, tell us about your book. Tell us how to get a hold of you. We'd love to get our listeners connected to your resources. Thank you. Our website is www.thedisciple-dilemma.com. The book kind of looks like this, uh, like that, right? The okay. Disciple Dilemma. And if you go to YouTube, if you go to Instagram, if you go to LinkedIn, if you go to Rumbly and the RSS feeds and you look for The Disciple Dilemma, you'll find videos, blogs, traffic talking about this on the great podcast like yours. And thank you, by the way, for the ministry you guys have in the workplace. Oh, we so appreciate you. Thanks for being with us today. And thanks for helping us to mm -hmm. just talk about something that's not always talked about, especially in this kind of format. So this was awesome. We hope all of you who are watching right now and listening right now will get this book and also visit his website and his materials. Well, up next is Final Thoughts with Sean and Bob. I'm Sean Bowles, and I'm going to invite you to our Spiritual Growth Academy online, where you can attend a four-week class or an event every month. Plus, our back catalog is available to you as well on spiritual gifts, especially hearing God's voice, and also a deeper connection to the Holy Spirit and how to walk with Him in real ways in the days we're living in right now. Come join us at Spiritual Growth Academy by going to BowlesMinistries.com and clicking on the Academy button. Welcome back. Wow, Dennis's interview was just uh, amazing, wasn't it, Sean? Yeah, it was, it was really interesting because I, I thought a lot of the questions we asked him, I was looking for some of the stories kind of deeper dive, you know, behind what the discipleship came out of in his life. But he was so full of principles. He was so full of like, how do we do this right now? How do we look at this? How do we, he diagnosed an issue that's one of the core issues to Christianity right now that's failing. And he has some tools for it. And I'm so glad we got to hear some of those tools. I am too. It, as he was, as he was bringing the principles up, it was just reminding me over and over again how, in my life, you know, spiritual fathers and or mentors or whatever you want to call them have have formed my life and turned me into what I am today because because of the the discipleship and the mark that they left on my life. Yeah, I like how you said you because you really are this person. You you went and found them and you knocked their doors down until they spent time with you. And I, I tell people all the time, like and I don't know if I might have said on the show before, but I tell people all the time they'll say, "Can you mentor me?" You know, 
That's the number one question we get, which is why we started Spiritual Growth Academy so that we could mentor yeah. people in their spiritual growth. But as far as mentoring in business and marketplace and the whole thing, look for the person who's killing it, not only in their business, but in their personal life at your church with yes. their wife, with their kids. And they may not be the most known person. They may have never spoken before. They may have, but they're doing something right. They're carrying something, a culture that is, is impartable through discipleship. And then go and ask them if you could buy them coffee or breakfast. I like that you said coffee or breakfast because dinners can be expensive. Ask them, Hey, can I buy you coffee for every other week for six weeks or, you know, for, for eight weeks or whatever? And just have a set up amount of appointments where I can ask you questions, pick your brain, talk to you about the culture of your life. Just that simple act has helped literally hundreds of people just to say, just go find somebody who's solid, go find somebody who's ahead of you, mm-hmm. go find somebody who you look at and go, they are hurting for money. Their family seems to be really positive. I'm going to go find out what's going on. It's true. And you know, how many times have, have somebody asked you or me that question and, and they ask you once and then you never hear from them again. And uh, one of the reasons why we started exploring the marketplace in addition to the word that God gave you about the marketplace being, you know, the next great move of God is that all these guests that we have on, we're hearing their stories and, and we're, we're, we're getting mentored, if you will, by them. We're, we're hearing that it's possible. We're getting courage from them. And Sean, I love what you said in, in your faith community, in your church, wherever you are, there are people who are ahead of you who you have the ability and have some sort of relationship with to be able to ask them for coffee. And I'll tell you as being older now, when people ask me for coffee and say something like, hey, I'd like your advice or I have a problem I'm trying to work out, it, it makes me feel good to be able to go and, and, and listen and help through wisdom and experience and all the mistakes that I've made allows me to help be able to guide people. And there's people in church, in your life, in your family that, that will be able to do that for you too. Well, it's interesting when you get really independent and you make all your own decisions without bouncing them off of a multitude of counselors mm-hmm. and how, how you're, there's a different level of responsibility when things do go wrong. Cause things are always going to go wrong here and there. When they do go wrong and you look at it and go, I could have avoided years or I could have avoided so many problems or I could have avoided loss or financial loss or whatever it is. And I just, I I don't want to live a life that I could avoid by the sake of just embracing relationship. And I think sometimes the church is a little bit legalistic about discipleship where it becomes this weird mentory mentor thing Mm -hmm. where it's it's not organic anymore. So just having relational time with people to say, you know, I'm going to hear your story because I can catch the culture of God through your story and I can ask you some questions and and I want to be heard, and I want to listen, and the whole thing. I think is really important, and I, I especially, I think it's important for men and women. Women are more geared towards it. I think men have to be more intentional to pursue it most of the time. And I don't want to be too generalizing, but it just seems to be the truth. So I'm so glad that you are one of those guys who, even though you're an introvert, you're willing to like really give yourself, and you've been doing it for so many years for so many people, including us, Shree and I. That it's like you, you're a natural discipler without any kind of authoritarianism, which I think is just what this generation is looking for. Yeah. I I mean, none of us want to be shamed. None of us want to be told that we're wrong. All of us want to be in covenant relationship with someone who will come alongside of us and, and help. And it's really, really vulnerable and humbling to ask somebody for help. And I recognize that. And I remember how I felt when I was asking for help. I had uh, 
I only asked one person in my life if they would mentor me. And it was so not me, but I asked this, this guy, he ended up becoming a really good friend. Will you mentor me? And he looked at me and he said, no, <laughs> but I'll hang out with you. Yeah. And I, I just loved it so much because we just did things together. We went to conferences together. We went to a coffee together. We, we spent time, you know, doing things together, uh, playing golf. And, you know, I caught, like you just said, that his culture in God, and it really helped, uh, build build relationship and i think and i think sometimes people want to formalize things and put things in a box but yeah covenant relationship isn't in a box is it sean no and when you have to call somebody mama or papa or apostle or prophet and you have to put the title on it or my discipler and it becomes more of like a one more notch or tag that you wear versus an actual authentic relationship yeah. I'm not saying those titles are wrong, but in, in the sense of like when that becomes the identity of the relationship versus like, I know you, Bob, and I know you really well, yeah. and you know me really well. We know each other's lives. We know a lot of each other's weaknesses and strengths and these things. And so I feel much more safe in the context of true, authentic Christian relationship where I recognize you are so far ahead in so many areas. I'm so grateful to have your voice in my life. And I know there's times I've been able to be a good advisor to you. Oh, well, so I think so, that, yeah. you know, we that's that's what i hope people are looking for and it's attainable for every single human being yeah well thank you so much for listening and watching on cbn news go to bowlsministries.com help support the show become a partner there's an incredible platform you can sign up for thanks again for listening Thanks for exploring what God is doing in the marketplace with us. We have amazing resources for you on our website with free videos, take an online class with us at our online school, Spiritual Growth Academy, or get one of our books, including the one Bob and I authored together, Wired to Hear. We have lots of ways to connect with you. Come visit us on social media. Just look for at Sean Bowles or at Bob Hassan or visit BowlesMinistries.com. This show is made possible by listeners just like you. Become a partner or donate now to become part of our team. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it on your socials or help us review it on the podcast server you found us on. See you next time.